Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Season 6 of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today in CB Studios, I have my man Connor Casey, and joining us from her illustrious home studio, we have Janelle Wheeler. Hello, hello. If you're a longtime fan of the show, you probably noticed that my right-hand man, Matthew Aguilar, is not here today because he is out in the field living his best life. Matt is at the WWE Royal Rumble for 2024. He is mixing it up, doing interviews with all the big wrestlers and getting ready for the big show this weekend. So, oh my God, I'm like wheezing over here. Man, am I dying? All right. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to wish Matt the best out there. He has plenty of awesome content, including a Royal Rumble preview episode that we just launched. So all you wrestling fans, make sure to go to the Comic Book Nation podcast feeds and our YouTube page and check out the Royal Rumble preview because it's getting so big we couldn't fit it all in this show. We had to do the rest of it all for geek culture in this show. And today that means covering some big geek news that dropped over the week, including Big exclusives broken here at comicbook.com. We got some new trailers we got to talk about and break down. We have our main review of the day, which is Masters of the Universe Revolution, the third installment in Netflix's Masters of the Universe reboot series from Kevin Smith and Company. Plus, we got to talk. We're going to go in. uh, We're going to be less comic book nation and cinema nation today. As we jump into the discussion, we're not going to run through all the Oscars nominees and all that, but we are going to get in on to some of the discussion that's taken shape around the awards nominations, the snubs, and kind of how that whole thing is going because, you know, we always got stuff to get off our chest. Plus, that's not all we have to do today, so let's hop up at the top and uh, get started. Janelle, you're kicking us off today with some news updates. Yeah, this is very exciting news. And I can tell it's exciting by the way that Kofi wrote the show notes. And I love his energy. Uh, Wilson Bethel's Bullseye is returning to Daredevil Born Again. This is a comic book exclusive. This is a very big deal. Uh, Comic book broke this. And even though Marvel did not respond to it, we can claim it, which is very exciting. When you, when I saw that in the show notes, I was like, oh my God, this is this is the best. Like, Because how often do you actually get to break the news um, in entertainment? Oh, news? Uh, comic Book Nation friend and one of our biggest Marvel kind of you know, scoop breakers, Adam Barnhart, you know, on this scoop. 
uh, all credit due. He has this man lives in the streets of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Damn right. And he does a fantastic job of it. And yeah, he broke this that Wilson Bethel's bullseye is coming back. And I believe it's something like we had like maybe three episodes he'll be back for or something like that was the episode count. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, as Janelle alluded to, I put in the show notes that this has brought my life full circle being here this week. And I was talking to Adam because back in the day when I used to work for a tiny growing site called ScreenRant.com, we had one of my bigger scoops was getting the final running of the Captain America MCU casting, which if you remember, if you remember that it was one of the biggest kind of casting clusters of that whole early MCU phase. And it came down to two people, Chris Evans and an actor more people hadn't heard of named Wilson Bethel. And I knew somebody that knew him and was feeding me scoops as he made his way through this Captain America kind of casting process. And I had an article like just hovering over it every day with my finger ready to go as soon as I got that last confirmation. And then it was Chris Evans. Oh, we still broke that story when it broke, and we still had yeah. one of the most uh, iconic him first images of you know Chris Evans when the casting was announced until somebody tried to sue us over it, and then uh, yeah, that was history. Yeah, this was back <laughs> in the day, you know, this was before photographers were trying to get that sue money for, <laughs> for, for websites. Was the reaction at the time just wait, the human torch guy? Oh, serious? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people, yeah, it's it's hilarious now because having done this in the early stages to remember how people felt about which castings like, yeah, people were like the human torch guy, Captain America is going to be cracking wise and he's Mm -hmm. too skinny. You you know, if you can believe it now, Chris Evans biceps and chest are now he's the best Chris. So right. But back then it was like, this guy's too skinny, too smarmy. There's no way he could be Captain America. Yeah. People were wild on the internet back then. Um, But yeah, so this was crazy to be a comic book and to see, this all come full circle and uh, congratulations because Bethel was so good and, you know, they couldn't cast him as Captain America, but his name still hung around, you know, people still. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for, to cast, you know, Dex Poindexter in Daredevil season three, you know, they had him, he came in, he nailed that. And uh, yeah, he was great in Daredevil season three. There's been a lot of revisionist history out here. Film Twitter's berserk these days. And so people <laughs> kind of like argue that Daredevil wasn't that great. I, if anything, with time in the last few years of the MCU, I'm more appreciative of what Marvel Netflix did. I agree. I'm, are you referring to a certain uh, podcast on a different feed? No, there was one of them. But this is this is that was one. But like, no, not just one podcast. Like, I was actually because I heard that and I was like, that can't be right. That's probably one person. No, man, you go out on film Twitter. Wow. Indigenous history now about oh Daredevil. They always had the same hallway foot. Like, yeah, that's what a signature is, fool. Like, you know. <laughs> That's what people come for. But um, yeah, it's crazy because that last season of Daredevil, as I wrote in in a fandom group for that podcast, I was like, nah, bro, I was at Madison Square Garden for NYCC that year that Daredevil season three came out. Um, the venue was packed. It had more security than the airport. <laughs> All of that venue of Madison Square Garden was packed. The main stadium, the main stage. Mm-hmm. They debuted the first clips of the Daredevil bullseye fight in the newsroom, plus some other clips, but that was like the main last one they showed us. That place fell apart. People wow. going nuts. The QA, the actors got standing ovations. Like Daredevil closed down Madison Square Garden. You know what I mean? Like 
I don't want to hear any of this revisionist history. I feel like that's clumping in some of the mistakes of season two with, and eh, nobody cared about season three. Wrong. Season yeah. three was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> season three was awesome all the way through, right to the end. And like, yeah. So let's talk about what this means. So bringing back Bullseye is another piece. We've gotten Karen and Foggy back. Bullseye is coming back. And this is really beginning to feel more like Daredevil season four. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for it because I think it was so confusing what they were trying to do with this line between the MCU and the Netflix reality and stuff. We were getting D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox back, but like little else. And how does that work? And that's crazy. And then, you know, we heard about what they were trying to do with the TV show originally, Uh, you know, procedural law, Daredevil, not until episode three, all this other stuff. And, you know, I don't think any of us were here for that. Nobody was here for that. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, like I said, somebody had to get in a room with time and perspective and be like, you morons, like, this is the one thing <laughs> people pretty overwhelmingly in those 2010s, the time period agreed was pretty dope, was Daredevil. Yeah. So why would we reinvent this wheel? Why not just kind of keep it going? And you've already started to make kind of loose nods to the Defenders universe and, and doing all that and mm-hmm. having it be valid. So just go ahead and do it. Echo made Kingpin's Netflix origin story, part of MCU canon. So just keep going. And I'm here because um, as I wrote up in an article, there's a lot of things that come with Bullseye and history and specifically where we left off in Daredevil season three that could be widely important to the MCU. Um, Everybody knows that end scene with him kind of actually getting upgraded from Dex to Bullseye, Mm -hmm. getting the spinal operation. They threw out some weird metal name because legally they had to. But the doctor operating on him on that scene, they put one of the most pivotal characters from the X-Men universe, Dr. Oyama, who created the adamantium bonding process that later created Wolverine. Now you can go back and make all of that actually the comic book goodness that it was. And I don't see why not. It also still fits with everything we saw in season three to have Fisk take a different approach to kind of cleaning up his public persona by getting into politics. And um, yeah, and even if the reaction to season three is kind of like the boys, they take the boys route, right? Like people see what he did in season three, but they're like, there's a guy we need. He's like, he gets stuff done on his own. That's what we need. And, you know, yeah. One of the one of the definite highlights for me of season three a few years back was Poindexter's corruption by Kingpin. And they they went kind of art house with it a little bit with his his gradual decline into, oh, I'm just going to do what you say. I'm going to wear the Daredevil costume and lose my freaking mind trying to fight Matt. I'm glad that we don't have to just rehash that. We get to just build off of that with this new one. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Janelle, any feelings about this in particular? Oh, I mean, I'm just absolutely pumped. I I love this actor. I really do. Um, And I think that he did a spectacular job. So seeing him back, seeing, I mean, all of these additions, I don't under, I don't, I can't imagine anyone not being happy about them because that's why we fell in love with the show. Like I didn't just like Daredevil. (laughs) I liked everyone. I liked all the pieces to the puzzle. So all of these announcements, the more they're kind of throwing it back, bringing back more people, it just builds more excitement for me personally. Well, I mean, Terrence Stamp is getting up there in age, but at this point, it feels like Stick is the only person not coming back, right? <laughs> we're getting Punisher, yeah. everybody else, and Electra. I mean, if we're going to start bringing other folks back, Jessica Jones. That oh, gosh, I would freak. Against anything. Oh, dude. 
And Melody Young, she, uh, I think she's still doing stuff right now, though. Yeah, she's doing the cleaning lady still. But can we get Electra back? I mean, she's only gotten more popular with time. So did, did, did we figure out if she's dead or not after the whole Defenders thing? <laughs> I don't remember how that all. I feel like she got buried at the end of that one. Yeah, she did. She was underground, but it was kind of like implied she okay. could still be alive. I, I mean, Electra's thing is kind of she'll die, but she'll get better. Yeah. I mean, we can all, we can skirt, you know, this is the MCU. We can skirt past, we can keep Daredevil season three. We can skirt a little bit about the Defenders, just mention it offhand. Oh, everybody's met. Good. If we just bring back the Defenders, but switch out Iron Fist for Echo, will anyone complain? Probably not. No, probably not. Uh, But that's a good idea. All right, let's keep it moving. So Daredevil, we happy. Uh, Janelle, you had a, another thing we tossed to you because this, I know, got your, uh, probably made you pretty happy. Did you did you see this or did you miss it? You're muted. You're panicking. Yes, yes, I did see this, and I am excited about this. Um, the Walking Dead was kind of my my baby when I first started comic books. So they just dropped the final trailer uh, for the ones who live. This is the storyline with Michonne and Rick, and uh, finally back, hopefully back together. I mean, I would imagine, and the journey that Michonne is on to try to find Rick, where Rick has been since we. Thought he was dead. Um, this has been a really long time coming. I I'm fine with this trailer. I don't think that we needed it. I feel like the last one um, was was great. There was this one scene with Michonne and a giant horde of walkers was pretty much like all I needed to see because that was just wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still the excitement is there with or without the trailer for me personally. Um, I am curious because I did kind of drop off the show um, in the last season or two. I did not watch the spinoffs and you're talking to like I was a diehard fan. So I, I'm curious if I needed to have watched those things to digest this to understand like the gravity of of this, but I feel like it's gonna be fine. I feel like any Walking Dead fan, even if just from you know the start, you watch the first like couple seasons, I feel like you can still pick this up and enjoy it. Um, but I'm very curious. I can't wait to review this. Honestly, yeah, I gotta say, uh, I also fell off the Walking Dead for a long time, <laughs> but these trailers for this have made me like I'm on board to jump back in and watch this. First of all, this has been like the most cinematic and best looking The Walking Dead series has been probably since Frank Darabont did season one and and early in that premiere of season two. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Everything just looks great. So many great shots, like you said, of Michonne and and facing down a horde of walkers. Like we've seen that before. Haven't seen it look this great before. Mm -hmm. So Scott Gimple and company have all done a great job on the production of this series. It does look like we're getting even the quality of what those three walking dead movies were supposed to be just cut up into six episodes. Um, yeah, I had to get in and get a primer just to get back everything I missed, but, uh, our own comic books, uh, cam, um, cam Bonamolo does is single-handedly holding down our walking dead franchise for comicbook.com, And he, uh, has an excellent article, the walking dead, the ones who live trailer breakdown, which I happen to link in this final trailer post. So if you go on comic book and, and check out that link, Cam breaks down everything that is happening wow. in this series. Uh, I like that it's going to be set in post-apocalyptic Philadelphia because where does things go most to hell? Probably in my home city. In the <laughs> and we would still be standing <laughs> with an army 
because that's Philly, baby. Um, but yeah, so he's going to be going and we're going to get the, the Civic Republic is this mystery that's been kind of hanging over the Walking Dead series, the three ring symbols, all of that. We knew there were these people that had helicopters and still advanced technology and organized militaristic factions. We had people, they were sending agents in to scout things in those kind of later seasons when Rick disappeared. And so we are going to get some lore filled in. The series is supposed to be structured, filling in the six year gap between like when Rick disappeared to when he and Michonne will be reunited. So we're going to almost get like an anthology. I feel like per episode of like, okay, this is what was going on with them during these years. And then kind of catching us up to the present. Um, mm -hmm. Which is going to be, which I think is an interesting way because, you know, these are two people setting out with, from their memory or holding on to their memory of each other. But by the time they reunite, they're obviously going to be very changed. And that's interesting relationship dynamic to kind of see. Plus, you've got great actors like Terry O'Quinn in here as uh, General Beale. And uh, yeah, there's also suggestions we're going to see things like Project Cobalt. Like this will be filling in that scene we saw in the first season of the night they tried to bomb and, and, you know, burn away the virus by bombing Atlanta or whatever city it was we saw get bombed out. Um, yeah, that these people will be responsible. So we're going to get wider Walking Dead universe lore out of this in addition to that kind of personal Rick Michonne story. So if they can land that plane that way, yeah, this will be like the best thing The Walking Dead produced in many, many years. So I'm hoping I'm going to be checking it out and we're going to be talking about it. So Janelle, start dusting off your after the dead skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, Connor, you have any thoughts about this Walking Dead business? I got no dog in this fight. Uh, the only part of Walking Dead I had seen were bits and pieces of season one. But to me, the show always seemed like Rick's story. And for as little as I had followed it since then, it feels like this the franchise as a whole got away from that after a while. And maybe getting it back to that will reignite the fandom. Yeah, I mean... There was, I think they got down to a core group of characters that were all very interesting, like Carol, Daryl, Rick, Michonne, like these people were interesting. Um, even some of the fear people like Alicia and um, Lenny James's character, I always, uh, Morgan, was it Morgan? Yeah, it was Morgan. Like those were interesting characters, but yeah, it, it started to do the, oh, we don't need the central actor anymore thing. <laughs> and they didn't give it the finality of the comics. And so it was just this weird, Kind of, you know, when a TV show gets in like community seasons where it's just like, oh, this isn't the show we started with anymore, but they're going to keep it going. Good old gas leak season. Yeah, we keep it going. So there you go. And uh, yeah, and in, I mean, the spinoffs have appealed to smaller pockets of fans like Fear the Walking Dead has sustained, if not, some, you know, smaller fandom um, Daryl's series and all that uh, Negan series have all kind of been out there. Then we had that young one that came and went. Remember that? Uh, was that The Walking Dead Beyond or something like that? Like, good God. But yeah, it just spread itself too thin it, because AMC, if again, if 2010's history from back in the day, but this was their only cash cow that they didn't have to pay a bunch of other studios and creators to reap the benefits of. Breaking Bad didn't make money. Mad Men didn't make money. So yeah, they tried to stretch this universe out into a whole cash cow and with middling success. So I think we're all kind of finally glad to be getting some Walking Dead content that really does excite us. So mm -hmm. we'll be back to tell you if it's actually any good. So stay <laughs> tuned for that. Uh, moving over to my portion of news. We've been talking about Reacher because, you know, we are big Reacher fans on this show. 
And uh, we found out what season three of Reacher is going to be based on. It didn't take long. They didn't keep, keep us guessing. But it's going to be based on the Lee Childs, Jack Reacher novel, Persuader, which is the seventh novel in the lineup. Um, it, the book is set in Portland, Maine, and Reacher is actually helping out the DEA against a kind of high-profile drug smuggler. But when one of the DEA's kind of female agents gets kind of stuck in this drug kingpin's compound, Reacher does the most Reacher thing possible, which is walk right in there uh, undercover and kind of just walk right in there undercover to, with the intention of getting this agent out of this situation, which, of course, becomes much more, you know, much bigger problem, obviously. So we've been teased that this would be a different world. That was kind of what Allison, Alan Richardson kind of teased fans with. And I think this does qualify. We were all thinking snowstorm reacher, beach reacher, those from those. Yeah, Y'all were pitching stuff like reacher on Mars. Let's get it. Yeah. Well, the books, I mean, the books have different scenarios and flavors. Lee Childs isesn't lasted this long, you know, you know, in no kind of underway, but having reacher, having to go undercover and, you know, be reacher in the midst of a bunch of criminals, I think is going to be very, very interesting to see because it, it is different. And you're used to Reacher, you know, automatically outnumbering or outsizing anybody. But if you're surrounded by a compound full of criminals, that's a little bit different. In good news, however, we also got the news that Maria Sten, who plays Neagley, is confirmed to be returning for season three, which fans of the Reacher TV show may not feel like that's anything big. But this is Reacher and they never have to bring back anybody mm -hmm. because dude can just show up in a new town all alone and they could cut costs on the show by doing that. But Neagley has become such a fan favorite that it, it only makes sense to bring Maria Sten back because the chemistry she has with Richardson is like second to none. And it's not that tired, romantic interest stuff. They're just literally like colleagues and pals and they know each other. So it's a great dynamic. And uh, if he's going into a you know criminal compound, he's going to need to be able to call somebody. So some scenes of Neagley on the outside will be uh, pretty good. Um to answer Christopher A. McCree on Facebook watching live, uh, we know that season three of Reacher is already in production right now. Alan Richardson is properly swole right now. <laughs> so it's it's in the midst. It's happening. I don't think they would have told us the book if they weren't already underway or worried about people beginning to piece it together, set photos, whatever, what have you. So, yeah, it's happening. Amazon's not sleeping on this. They realize they got a hit that they can produce fast and they are not wasting time. And for the love of sweet biceps, like, don't make this man stay like this for too long. He's already saying it's getting crazy. So, yeah, get as much in the can as you can with uh, Reacher and Alan Richardson now because, uh, yeah. Yeah, and if nothing else, uh, Black Mantha, I agree. Like, if nothing else, this is, seems to be a good promotional push for Reacher books. We should all start reaching, uh, reaching, start reading some more. <laughs> You're watching that one. Yeah, I know. Reading some more Reacher books. All right. Also, in exciting news for TV in 2024, we got a major update from Netflix that we are looking at Squid Game season two dropping sometime this year. So it's sounding like season two of Squid Game is going to be dropping this year. This was part of kind of Netflix's big flex about what they're going to be having at a shareholders kind of uh, a statement to shareholders. They were teasing, as they usually do. Businesses love to flex. They were beating their chest about what they got for 2024. They got the Diplomat season two. 
Shout out to The Diplomat. We didn't talk about it, but I love that show. Bridgerton Season 3, Squid Game Season 2, and Empress Season 2. They all dropped as as names so of titles they're going to be releasing this year. So we knew production was on going, you know, was going on with Squid Game Season 2. Uh, they happily distracted us with that reality show for a bit. I still want to see Connor Casey's idea come to come to life. That's on our socials. Check out comic book Instagram for that one. But we pitched an idea for Squid Game Season 2 that I think is brilliant. And if Netflix has the cojones, I think they should do it. Netflix, I dare you. I dare you to open Squid Game Season 2 that way. All right, but uh, it sounds like we're going to be eating. We were all worried about, like, this year, but I don't need no Disney+. Plus. Like, it sounds like we'll be having some good stuff to watch this year. So, that's Reacher. That's Squid Game Updates. You guys have anything? Janelle, more content? Yeah, more content. Let's go. I'm so excited. And Squid Games is probably one of my favorite things that happened recently like in reality programming we're talking about like the game show right oh no this no. is this is a show we're gonna oh, be but oh this is why i loved your idea that if they made it sound like it was the game show and then it would actually be the season gosh that's such a good idea except obviously yeah, it has to be real murked for real yeah dude <laughs> that would have been I saw all in the games comment on YouTube. Is there is there pressure for season two of this to perform? Because season one came at a time when we were all just kind of huddled in and trying to find <laughs> something to entertain yeah. us. And it kind of overtook the conversation there for a minute. I'm just genuinely curious as to where the story goes from here. Yeah, it, it can't be as simple as just do the squid games again and maybe have some characters we care about. No, we, we've broken the system at this point. Yeah. I yeah. think I think I wanted to examine more and incorporate like what the reality show taught us, like people opting into this, mm -hmm. you know, people beginning to volunteer it becoming worldwide, maybe it not being so clandestine or, or illegal. It's just like, yeah, people can join this. If people are choosing to do it. Hunger exactly. games. <laughs> yeah, it'd be very interesting to see that kind of examined as a reflection of society, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a fair amount of pressure. There's always for a sophomore season of anything. But I think Squid Game's solid because even if this second season flops, you can keep rolling out the reality show for yeah. God knows how long. So, yeah. And uh, finally, in our news breakdown, Connor Casey, this has blown up bigger than anybody probably expected, <laughs> including uh, home of dad TV, apparently. <laughs> Amazon Prime Video just hit us dads with another piece of good content that's getting us excited. Yep, we've got the 2024 remake of the 1989 Patrick Swayze classic, Roadhouse. Uh, this one starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Conor McGregor, finally making his long-awaited film debut. I saw that get mentioned, and I was like, wait, you're telling me this guy wasn't in an Expendables movie at least twice? Nope, this is really his first film. Um, it's got Joel Silver, the producer of the original. He's back. It looks like a retelling of the original, only the gimmick is this time Gyllenhaal is an ex-UFC fighter. Uh, getting put into this position where he's got to defend a helpless Florida roadhouse. This looks fun as hell. I love Doug Lyman. And when I heard it, when I realized it was him directing, I went, okay, I'm immediately sold for yep. this. This had been in production forever where we kept hearing rumors of, of a Ronda Rousey remake where she was in the Swayze role. And that sounded boring as hell to me. No offense, Ronda, but I, no interest. Uh, but I love Hall when he goes into these, I just want to fight roles. Like he's done boxing movies before he's done Michael Bay movies before, but he can also switch and do something bonkers like Nightcrawler where he is just completely zonked out in his performance. 
But when he's laying back like this and just he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got ripped for this one. I'm down to fight. Let's get nuts. I'm all on board for this one. I'm a little bummed it is just going to Amazon. I feel like if this went theaters, yeah. this could be a big deal. No, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of testosterone bros are still out there and they're like, man, I've heard so many different iterations of, yo, me and the squad haven't been out to a good old fashioned action movie in a long time. You know, I mean, we all focused on Barbie, but the boys need their date too. Like, boys need their date night too. I mean, we don't know when we're getting another Creed movie, yeah, guys, so, if ever. So, so bring it like, on. yeah, um, I think Amazon. I mean, this got four million views within like eight to twelve hours. This has become viral already. It's like you may want to consider giving this maybe just a little theatrical push. You might want to just. Especially if you're starting to roll out those Amazon theaters everywhere, like you might want to consider that Prime, yeah. because this looks like it is going to be, like you said, it's been so long since we've gotten these testosterone '80s B movie kind of just fun things, and that's what the original Roadhouse is, um, with a strangely pensive and poetic Patrick Swayze at the center. But uh, I think the challenge for this was just with every Swayze role, it's how do you? It's not so much the context of the film, but how do you recapture the charisma of the performer who was like, we're, I don't think we're ever going to get a guy who's as good at martial arts kick ass as he is at doing ballet dancing <laughs> and makes it all seem so beyond, you know, masculine, but pretty at the same time. I don't know if we're ever getting that unique combination of elements together with a surfer vibe too, like, so it was just how do you get a character who's going to replace, you know, Swayze and Roadhouse? But Jake Gyllenhaal is probably the guy because, like you said, it's not just he's done. I forget that boxing movie, what it was called that he did that um, where he was that crazy. Oh, boxer. it's the term for a, a left-handed puncher. Oh, Southpaw. Yeah, it's a yeah, Southpaw. Um, yeah, he did Southpaw, and we've seen him do physical roles at, at, in action and sports drama and things like that. But like you said, it's it's the characters he can create he, he is very much a character actor as well and so things like nightcrawler you really prove what kind of all the way back to donnie darko yeah like, exactly. this guy can do deep characters yep that stick with you yeah and this guy already i mean just there there was that amazon preview reel at the beginning of the year and they had one scene it was just him slapping the first guy and saying oh you got slapped and from <laughs> that one scene i was like yeah this is going to be it like and Doug Lyman, like you said, one of the most underrated genre directors out there. If you don't know the name, uh, the first Born Identity, Edge of Tomorrow, probably the biggest two titles to throw at you. But um, yeah, he just knows how to make movies and stories and cinematic stories a good time, so that you feel it. If nothing else, you at least saw a movie in a story and not just like a collection of scenes. And I'm hoping that this isn't kept out of theaters because the end work was just too messy or something. Mm -hmm. Like I hope that it actually holds together because all these scenes and even a crazy Conor McGregor is going viral already. Um, and, and somebody joked, they're like, Doug Lyman was just like, all right, Connor, walk in here, just do some stuff and we're going to hit record. And they were just like, all right. And I'm here for that. You know, you put him in the right place like this and, and let that man do what he does, you know? Yeah, man, I don't. I can't imagine this guy even stared at a script for five minutes. Oh no! He just said, "I'm just coming on being Conor McGregor." He's it's like, like yeah. "Go for it, mate." Like, what does he say? Like his name is. He's like, "Knox, Knox, you get it done." <laughs> like, I was just like, or no, what do he say? I mean, he's even like a Joker in that scene. He's like, "Hello, everyone, have a smashing evening." Uh, he's I was like, like, "Oh my god!" Like we wrote it up for CBS Sports, and literally the scene description is: he walks in with a golf club, smashes somebody, and calls out Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm like. 
yes, I'm sold. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sold. I'm going to be there. We'll be there to do Roadhouse, and we are going to have some good fun with this one. I wish sometimes they'd let us crack a beer on this show. Mm. And just, like, <laughs> just crush a sixer and what? I always crack a beer when we go watch like screenings. I always I grab a beer. You're cool in like in your remote thing. You don't have yeah. to watch harsh comic book laws. All right. Um, that's our new segment. We are going to take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to talk about the Academy Awards drama. Another year. Another Oscars, another drama. And we're going to talk about Masters of the Universe Revolution. So stay tuned for all of that. We are Comic Book Nation, and we are truly going to do it all for geek culture today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. If you missed our first segment, we broke down news that includes big updates for Daredevil, Born Again, plus new trailers for The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, and the new Roadhouse movie. Plus, we got information on when we're getting Reacher and Squid Game back. So check all that out. There's also a little tweet I just saw that somebody said Alakwa Cox was spotted in NYC yesterday. Where Daredevil Born Again has been filming. So Connor Casey's big uh, pitch that we need a Defenders just switch out Echo and I and Iron Fist. Maybe that's not outside the realm of possibility. Hey, Marvel, can you re-release those Run DMC Luke Cage shirts? Those things were fire and I did not get one. Yeah, I have the hoodie over in my, the Luke Cage hoodie over in my uh, cubicle. Nice. But, uh, but I keep that for protection. All right, let's keep it moving. Today, in our main topics... We are going to take a break from Comic Book Nation to become Cinema Nation. Cinema. Yeah, we don't usually get into the heady, nerdy cinematics of it all on this show, but uh, Undercover, you know, I'm part of a Nashville critics group, Connor Casey for a wrestling guy, surprisingly sophisticated cinematic tastes. And Janelle, when we don't annoy her with some of our picks, even likes to dip into some of this stuff. (laughs) And I'm sure has opinions about this Oscars race. So... Let's get into it. We're not going through all the nominees. I said, like I said, we are the, you know, we are not that show, bro. But we are going to talk about what the discourse is around this. So, I think it's an interesting thing that's kind of happening this year. Um, people are kind of really mad about some of the snubs that we got, as people usually are about, you know, these subjects. But. It's kind of a weird mad. So I think leading the pack, obviously, not to beat around the bush, the biggest thing was the Barbie controversy that seems to have everybody spazzing out. Um, If you don't know, Barbie got a considerable amount of Academy Award nominations. It got um, adapted screenplay, Greta Gerwig and Noah Bumbach, Best Supporting Actress nom for America Ferreira, Best Supporting Actor for Ryan Gosling as Ken, two original song nominations for... Um, I'm Ken Enough and what I'm what was I made for? Um, 
And then the production stuff like costume, production design, stuff like that. What it did not get, oh, and best picture, duh. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it did not get was a best director nomination for Greta Gerwig or a best actress nomination for Margot Robbie. Hence the crying Barbie in our background of our show image today. Rather than just put my <laughs> thing over this as somebody who, and it's time for true confessions, guys. At this point, I just find it funny, so I just keep it going. But I've never seen Barbie, and I still am what? wildly unclear on oh what the plot of this movie God, is. you have a daughter. What the heck, man? I legit didn't realize you hadn't seen it until I listened to uh, Podcast X. And oh, you yeah. And I went, oh, no. Yeah, I hide all my secrets on Podcast <laughs> X. So if you guys want to hear all my dirty secrets, go listen to What is Podcast X, and, and you can uh, get to know them <laughs> in a whole different light. But no, I, I mean, because I was waiting to see it with my wife, who one day when she found out it was on streaming and I was here on a Friday, like today, she was like, she texted she me. She's like, I it. really just wanted. And I was like, you know, what can I say? I was like, honey, press play. Enjoy. Yeah. No boys around. Just enjoy. And she very much did. So now I'm just kind of out here on a list. <laughs> Barbie on my own in secret. And I just haven't done it yet. Um, but I am kind of very curious to jump into this because, like I said, I'm, I'm still wildly unclear on the plot. So mm. which is hard to do in my line of work. So, yeah. And I don't have any doubt. It's no hate. I just, like I said, it was circumstance that I didn't see it. And then I thought it was funny that I haven't. So I'm just keeping it going. (laughs) Um, But Janelle, how did you feel about like this Oscars discourse about it? Because you had very strong opinions because you went to see Barbie twice, which is a major milestone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't do the back to back viewing in the theater thing. Um, You know, I I honestly I kind of feel neutral because I, I am satisfied with a lot of these other nominations that it received. I, I know that like one movie cannot realistically be nominated in every single category. I don't think that's fair. Um, I, I love Barbie for what it is as a whole. So if I were to kind of argue that one of these nominations bothered me more, it would definitely be, uh, you know, Greta's nomination, the director that, because that's, it made it what it is. Um, I, you know, Margot did an incredible job in that role. Um, but uh, as like, it, it was kind of, the perfect storm of everything. It was the music. It was the direction. It was the visuals. It was the acting. It was the all, the whole entire cast. Like the, it, it was all just came together so beautifully. So I do, I I'm going in there with like, I I'm going into it with like an open mind. I'm not trying to get too upset about any of it. Um, because I mean, it's still nominated for best picture and that's, I think it's, deserves that so (laughs) you know i'm okay with it but i also don't take this stuff too seriously (laughs) the way some people do i i think barbie was a victim of a couple of things one this year's nominations had a heavy emphasis on foreign films you look at yeah anatomy of a fall poor things zone of interest like they and that really kind of invaded all the categories where you went a lot of people haven't seen these movies so, but and then you only have so many nomination slots for the acting gigs, so yeah, you have, someone has to fall off. The other thing is, is that the Academy, notoriously with the best actor and actress awards, comedic roles aren't always recognized in the same way they will for the best supporting actor and actress spots. So, the fact that Gosling is here is no surprise, but the fact that Margot isn't, I honestly wasn't as surprised about that as I was. Yeah, um, 
the director spot being missed. same. Yes, that that for me was like that. Really, you, you I was really caught off guard with that one. Yeah, regret it. I also but haven't seen a lot of them. I also, so, to be honest, I also think it's a victim of the movie itself. Like Ken kind of steals this the movie for a good chunk of it. It is about Barbie and her plight, but how much of that conversation after the fact was about Ken? How much of the merch was about Ken? How much did we see? I'm Ken enough, and I'm just Ken everywhere. Like I, I almost feel like as the summer went along, it was more about the conversation surrounding Gosling and what he was willing to do for that role versus Margot going through the ringer in that performance. Yeah. Um, as some people have mentioned in our live comments, I also think that while I know it's easy to get kind of micro focused on these things, I think you have to also look at things in the macro, right? Like Barbie made a billion dollars and has, just crushed some really long standing misconceptions about the industry, mm -hmm. about the female demographic and their power as a market, as a kind of consumer demographic. And that, you know, female audiences will respond to movies made by females, starring females in tackling female oriented subjects is not like a niche genre. It can become an entire phenomenon. So it won that it made a billion dollars it did that. All those people are getting paid from this. Problem is the Academy has never been that concerned with what social trends are right. heading towards. But all of them are still, people also have to remember that the Academy, as somebody who has served on critics groups for many years, I try to sit down and tell people there is such a politic to how this system works that you have no idea about. It is far from meritorious. It's literally people of different backgrounds, what they gravitate towards, what they are willing to see if just get in front of them to begin with um, and what they're willing to engage with and what resonates with, uh, with them. I've literally been in the most diverse groups of critics and watched the room and just watch everybody kind of just go with their thing. You know mm. what I mean? It's so easy to just culturally and just kind of fall into be like, no, this was, you know, this one, like, I could see zone of interest in American fiction being on two ends of this argument culturally there killers, the flower moon, same thing. Like there's all these cultural components into this. So when you do sort this out in critics groups or any kind of groups, you do try to find some sneaky ways to cover your ass and still keep it fair. So this, when I looked at it made perfect sense to me because they covered their ass everywhere. Margot Robbie didn't get a best actress nom, but if it wins best picture, She's a producer. She gets to get up there and get the trophy nonetheless. She leaves with an Oscar. If Best Adapted Screenplay, screenplay goes wins, to them, yeah. Greta gets up Greta there. Greta yeah. gets up there and gets an Oscar and, and does that whole thing. So there's always these little caveats that they kind of build in, and you look for that. That's why there's a whole game with supporting versus actress and what that line, or like actor versus supporting and what that line means when they think like maybe the main actor one's too crowded, they try to argue and sneak somebody into the supporting one. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And, and so like that whole thing gets a little, a little crazy. We also are looking at a year where I don't think it's ever been this diverse. Like you're talking, like you said, mostly foreign films in, in contention. You have Lily Gladstone making history for native people. You have uh, what's her name? Who already got the Golden Globe? Uh, uh, Joyce, 
Divine uh, Divine Joy Randolph for oh, the, from the holdovers, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and Danielle Brooks for the color purple. Both women of color in there, along with Lily Gladstone. Like you got Sterling K. Brown, um, Jeffrey Wright. You're talking about black actors. Black actors have been top of their game for decades. That we've waited to see this kind of level of, you know, recognition. And Coleman Domingo, who's both black, Hispanic. And LGBTQ actor getting a Best Actor nomination and Walking Dead standout Coleman Domingo from Fear the Walking Dead. So, like, yeah, we've been all like we're doing more and we are making steps of progress here. Um, and so I don't know. It's easy to say like to because uh, then I get split because. On the one hand, it's easy to say, like, yeah, maybe there wasn't room for Margot Robbie this year, but I don't want to take away even not seeing Barbie. I know she put it down with comedy, drama. She probably she went around the bend and did pretty much everything to deliver on that role and make a plastic toy iconic and use her own iconic kind of stardom in a way to really push a good message. So mm -hmm. I think that I, I get it. And like Connor said, I get why this is missing out. It's easy to look at this as a kid's movie, a comedy movie. Uh, a, a toy movie, like all these things that, you know, maybe the high noses of the Academy don't always value as, you know, deep dramatic performance fodder. Um, but I think the film will still win. And I think Margot Robbie has plenty of chances to come back at the Oscars for many years. And uh, I, I just think for me, I think, and I've seen all these cause I'm in a credit group, but I thought like the bigger snub in the actress category was Greta Lee from past lives which if you haven't seen Past Lives, beautiful film. And Greta Lee is amazing in that and dealing with kind of a lot of similar subjects, but in a different kind of way. It's about Past Lives is about two people who like, you know, had that crush as kids and how they both go through life and they reconnect and kind of bounce apart and reconnect over life. And it's about how you develop as a person and, you know, acknowledging who you were, but also growing into somebody different and reconciling those two things. And um, yeah, she did a wonderful job, but you know, she got knocked out of this, even though past lives made it in some categories categories. And that was more for me, the bigger one. I didn't feel I, as bad. I was honestly stunned. The iron claw had no representation here. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those big snubs. Cause there was, there was some, the bigger thing for me and I wrote up our, our kind of films, our snubs list. And I, once I started digging into it, it took me a while. Cause I was like really looking through all of them. Yeah. I was shocked that the iron claw got nothing no nominations whatsoever, which is crazy because the performances, the cinematography, the direction by Sean Durkin, I, I get it. There were other films in there that probably knocked it out, but I feel like that one was a big miss because that was really good. I was surprised that May, December got nothing for either Natalie Portman or Julianne Moore or uh, Chris. Uh, uh, I always mispronounce his name. The guy from Teen Wolf. Uh, or from Euphoria, what's his name? Chris, anybody help me out in the comments? I don't watch Euphoria. It's uh, on my list. Da, 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 Charles Melton, sorry. Charles Melton. I don't watch Euphoria either. He's from Riverdale. No, I'm sorry, he's ah, from Riverdale. Charles Martin from Middle, like, surprised as, you know, this. I was surprised that Jacob LRD didn't get anything for, like, either for being in Priscilla, playing Elvis, I was surprised that Saltburn got completely knocked out. I feel this. like that one was a little too weird. For <laughs> yeah, it was a TikTok taste. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
animated films. I was really surprised that uh, some other things like Elemental made it in there, but I, I, I'm going to say Ninja this. Turtles didn't. I, I know we all love Miyazaki and the boy in the heron is pretty good. But man, if this if that knocks out Spider-Verse under the threat that this is Miyazaki's last film, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, I know you. You, I could tell you were you're going to be hot on this category. Um, and even I know this is getting out here in the weeds for some of our comic book nation listeners, but I was shocked in the documentary category that American Symphony didn't get nominated. Uh, John Baptiste's American Symphony, uh, which is about him and dealing with his wife's cancer diagnosis and composing music through that, which is like. OK, I guess not. Um, all right. But uh, and also, I feel like the Oscars sent a message. I feel like they got some some SAG strike like additional little roughage in their feathers because I feel like this year was a message of, Hey, old Hollywood, you know, we, we, we ain't rocking with you anymore because they left out Margot and they left out Leo from killers of the front where we got everybody else. I don't know. I feel like if if there were ever a movie for Leo to not get recognized, it's that one. It's like after it's like you slept in a horse carcass and fought a bear and that got your award because you stared at the screen at the end and went, what in God's name do I need to do? And ever since then, it's like, yeah, just go have fun. You're in your late Tom Hanks era at this point. Yeah, no, but he was good in that. But uh, it was just funny that everybody else in the movie got nominated. He was like the one telling the pretty people like, not but rough. honestly, the Scorsese nomination, that's a, uh, yeah, we don't know when it's going to be his last movie and we don't want to be the one to not recognize it. I got to say, I went back and watched Killer. I've actually watched it twice now um, and twice more since the theater. And no, I get that because no matter what we say, Scorsese is just one of the best, period. Like that movie, the recreation of the period, all that stuff is insane. So I got that one. Um yeah, I already did past lives in uh, in Willem Dafoe. He didn't get to go on the uh, poor things train. Oh, poor Willem. Um, and color purple, man. <clears throat> wow, poor color purple has just—I mean, it's just become a box office drag. It got one Oscar nomination now. So, oh, for all the advancements we made with Barbie, I feel like uh, over in my community we might lose them from the color purple because. I don't know if Warner Brothers is going to be cashing out again for for a film on that level for this kind of result. So that was a hard I just one. Feel so I never needed a remake of it. The original was so See? amazing. Yeah, me too. I'm so attached yeah. to that original. I was me like, too. Oh, but I I wonder if it's our age. You know. Yeah, I think it is. I, I just was um, like, yeah. It's not. But I feel the same not, way with Mean Girls. I didn't yeah, need a remake. Good, but it's not a feel good story like Mean Girls. Yeah, I, I get because. You know, but, you know, generational trauma stories, remakes, yeah. are, that's a little bit different of a prospect. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, no, I still love that original and shout out to that whole cast. But um, last big prediction I have, am I am I wrong to think this is a big old Oppenheimer sweep? Like, I, I feel like uh, of all the, the movies that got a lot of nominations, I feel like that one's ready to clean up. I think that I think Oppen, I think Barbenheimer is going to be celebrated as a phenomenon. I think they will split it, and I think Poor Things will clean up some other stuff mm. as the artistic favorite. I haven't seen Oppenheimer, <laughs> so wow! I know we are. Know. You and I are just like half We're a Barbenheimer weekend out here. I, We're usually more like aligned. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. Here's the thing: no one has. I was waiting for it to come out on streaming, and well, wow. it, it's well, it's you can get it on Amazon now for like five bucks. Yeah, That's, right. I okay. I honestly, when it came out, I was dealing with some of my own, like a personal, like 
dramatic, not anxieties and things. And I was like, I just don't really want to put myself in this headspace of like how horrific this was. It's, um, yeah, it's not a relaxing movie. Two, yeah, two so. Uh, producer Rich, you have neither seen Barbie nor Oppenheimer. Shame on you, sir. Oh my gosh, Richard. <laughs> he keeps commenting. Richard I haven't doesn't seen have it to see these things. He has to <laughs> produce things about us talking nonsense about these things. I mean, after a while, I'd probably not want to see him either if I had to listen to all this in the background and be like, yeah, I don't even want to mess with this. But uh, second of all, I like your theory that Barbie winning Best Picture gets Margot up on stage. But she's mm -hmm. like the artistic muse of so many directors that they might look at it as she'll be back. We, we know she will be. Oh, yeah. Whereas, well, whereas, with, whereas with Nolan, he's got like five nominations. He's never won. And he's got he's got director and Best Picture for this one. I think. Downey for best supporting. Murphy's got a real shot at best actor. Them winning best picture and him winning best director. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a legit shot for it this year. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, we're gonna see. Uh, anybody have any <laughs> more parting thoughts about the Oscars? Connor's already put his threats down about the animated category. Also, best score for Spider Verse. Come mm. on, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. How many drums? Yeah, I yeah. think. Um, I think. It's, I mean, even the best actress is tough, though. I don't like all those nominations, but Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone is going to be like a face off. So mm -hmm. I don't even know, man. I'm just happy that Zone of Interest got more love from the Academy than it did from the Golden Globes. I thought that was crazy that the Golden Globes didn't show that movie. And it is a very hard watch. I know this is one of those artsy ones people haven't seen, but mm -hmm. look up the Zone of Interest and, and just if you can. Sit down. This is when I recommend get a sound system or put on some headphones and watch that movie. It, it is unlike anything else. All right. So that is the end of Cinema Nation. Let's get back to some geek stuff, baby. <laughs> All right. We can't, doesn't get much geekier than this. I have the power of He-Man. So let's talk. Masters of the Universe. Revolution is out. Third installment of this masters of the universe kind of uh, animated series reboot that started with the very controversial masters of the universe revelation. So uh, I have, I'm through two episodes of revolution. Now I did the first two. Mm -hmm. um, and before I get into, I will say, first of all, I guess it's just where I'm at in life right now. Uh, but that first episode made me very emotional, which I was not expecting from a from a He-Man cartoon <laughs> like today. Yeah. Like, left me pretty emotional. Um, and I loved that after all the controversy, and I couldn't tell if Kevin Smith was trolling us or just delivering. But after all the controversy that was around Revelation, we start off Revolution with like just a classic He-Man like battle. <laughs> and... Mm. I was surprised how much I geeked out. I still love me some He-Man like really deep because that it was like my toy like toy collection from the 80s came alive. And yeah, I was just Aww. like, oh, man, this is great. So, um, so far, I am very much enjoying Revolution more than Revelation. But I also think Revolution is something that couldn't have been earned unless you did everything that we had to do for Revelation because you begin to see where the Tila stuff that everybody was freaking out about and all that starts to really come into play. And it all kind of starts to look like it's feeling like it's converging. I don't know if they're going to land the plane. I haven't gotten that far, but the first two episodes definitely got me hooked in. And to the people asking the comments, 
hell no, there's not going to be a Zack Snyder Justice League 2. Get out of here, bud. No, Justice League 2. I'm like the biggest person who would want it up here, but eventually I got to live my life and move ahead and not be stuck in one place. There's not going to be a Snyder Justice League 2. It's over. Let it be over. You have more of his bad Star Wars knockoff to look forward to. Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what were we talking about? It's on Master the Universe. Universe Revolution. Janelle, how'd you feel about this one? Because I think, if I remember correctly, you you were actually, you were into the other one, yeah, right? Yeah, I was into He-Man. Um, I definitely, it's really funny because I married an Adam, which threw me off the entire time with blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> Are, we so I'm, Are we allowed to say that now? I mean, whatever. Yeah. But right. yeah, the whole time, <laughs> the whole time I was like, man, I really need to dress my husband up for Halloween as He-Man. <laughs> he needs to also put on like 20 pounds of weight, but it's fine. Um, I, did he not feel like... I, he felt kind of over-muscular to me in his He-Man <laughs> face. Oh, I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we don't, we don't do that. Back in the 80s, this was... I mean, this was it right the, here. The so I'm saying in the 80s, he seemed a little less buff like this was like no i think he was similarly buff we just you know i was talking about mean girls like our whole concepts of like beauty have vastly changed when you look back at the 80s that i mean that is if you look at our show image right here that is yeah. the schwarzenegger from yeah. the 80s yeah that is the mystery universe. they just placed his head haircut and they were like all right but that is the schwarzenegger mystery universe like his build, head so. looks really tiny to me yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, this was great. I watched the whole thing. I binged the entire, like all the episodes. Uh, so I feel like the payoff is great. I think that there is a lot of emotional moments, especially for, you know, sentimental value. And also just if, if you, if you are into animation and you can feel emotions from animation, like I feel like they do a really good job. Um, it's definitely a departure. If you've been watching has been hotel, which I have been, it's so different. Um, this is wholesome programming uh comparatively but it's definitely scratching that itch like it, it is action-packed like there are serious fight scenes and it gets so intense the battles are wild towards the end so like the magic versus technology it's just it gets crazy so um it's it's really fun and they did a great great job yeah people have come for kevin smith over this but connor do you think that from what you've seen of this, do you think that this is kind of the most valid illustration of, of like Smith's love of He-Man? I, I would say so. Honestly, I felt like how Janelle sometimes feels with these segments where uh, I'm dropped in the middle of a decades old property and being told, how do you feel about it? it guys, He-Man, by the time I was a kid, He-Man was long gone. I, I mean, I grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. There was no He-Man around. And when She-Ra finally showed up, I mean, that, that show was not targeted at me for a bunch of different ways. And it's like, cool, animation looks nice. Not really into... I, I'm, I'm in college at, the point, at that point, so I'm a little busy with other things at the time. So when this finally dropped, I kind of skipped the original series, and then I heard the discourse surrounding, oh, they made it about the, the girl the, in the first show. And I was just like, guys, y'all are stupid for arguing about this. So... But when this got assigned, I was like, you know what? Let's check it out. I actually really enjoyed this. I, I got through three episodes. I think I, I love some of the twists that they throw in there in those first couple. Um, when William Shatner showed up, I immediately thought, okay, 
how does Kevin Smith feel about Shatner? Because that's going to determine how this character goes. And when I thought, you know what? He strikes me more as a spot guy. So when it's like, oh, that's what they're doing with Shatner. That makes perfect sense. Um, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of voice acting veterans in there. Keith David's in here is the big bad. Hamill is doing his Joker voice, only it sounds like he smoked two packs a day for the last month to get that tone correct. And uh, yeah, there, and there's there's guys from Game of Thrones popping up in this. Um, the, the writing is fun. The action's bonkers. And, you know, it's this is the kind of stuff that I, if I were a kid and this popped up, I'm sure I would have loved this. So I, I got no beef with this one. No, no real criticisms here. I also thought the whole fantasy versus technology thing and basically turning Skeletor into a cyborg. That's a fun angle. Yeah, that's, that's really it cool. At the end of uh, the last one, we were all waiting to see what that was going to be like. But um, no, they tried to bring He-Man back in the early 2000s on Cartoon Network, 2002 to 2004. They also tried this ridiculous He-Man and the Master of the Universe series back in 2021 which kind of created a whole bunch of confusion, I feel like, with this series sure. and that series. But this has been the best I've seen of, of like the He-Man lore kind of brought into the new age. Um, I'm, an 80, I'm an 81 kid. I think Janelle is like closer to me in that respect. 85, yeah. Yeah, so like, I, I mean, going to see Master Dolph Lundgren and, Master, and Frank Langella and Masters of the Universe changed my freaking life <laughs> i will never forget my babysitter at the time who was still shout out to karen she was still a great babysitter but um yeah she took us to see that and like that was like one of those moments that like changed my life as a kid i was just like <gasps> you can do this like oh my god yeah so i've been a he-man stan since then but it was one of those things like thundercats there's just certain things that in the cocaine filled 80s idea sounded great until like you know we go we gave way to kind of more of the ecstasy 2000s and you know cocaine and ecstasy ideas they don't mix very well so like yeah thundercats he-man things like that they tried to bring them back um they tried to bite off anime and throw them out there and everybody was like who is this for the new kids didn't want it the old kids didn't want it and so they're now starting to bring these back um, but I think Kevin Smith balances something that Connor said is like appealing to kids, but for longtime He-Man fans, there's also some very deep emotional stuff in there. So, uh, I think revolution is the best yet. And, uh, yeah, I think you should check it out personally. Anybody have any parting thoughts about that one? I mean, you, you talk about the cocaine fueled eighties, the skeleton was ripped. Yeah. That's yeah. where we start with this. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, what if he fights a skeleton, but it's just like as ripped as him, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I'm like, you know. I mean, Orko is clearly a cocaine hallucination. Mm. We don't know that. But um, all right. That's Masters of the Universe Revolution. You can you can watch this whole series. It's over on Netflix. Check it out. It's out today. Uh, you know, longtime deep deep dive fan of the show, Brywood. Yeah, I got to get out of here. Sophia Vergara's uh, Griselda is also out about Griselda Blanco. Oh, yeah. Colombian queenpin of drugs. It's out on Netflix now. Her family wanted to threaten that show. So, yeah, they threatened. Wow. They were trying to legally. Of course. Naturally. Yeah, legally. um, Because they don't want that out. But, uh, yeah, I want to see that. So that's also on Netflix. And we definitely will be checking that out. 
Connor, why don't you uh, take us out? Uh, our last segment today. It's a little bit of fun and a little bit of darkness. Oh, just <laughs> a little bit. So yeah. we'll we'll start with the fun. The Royal Rumble is this Saturday, like you said. Matt Aguilar is on the scene right now. He's getting interviews for ComicBook.com. He'll obviously be covering everything live. Uh, this this one could shape up to be huge. There's questions of will Cody Rhodes win back-to-back in order to main event this year's WrestleMania? Will The Rock show up? How are they handling Seth Rollins' knee injury? Uh, does Drew McIntyre play into this at all? There's a lot of questions with this one. And when the Royal Rumble is something that you can't immediately tell the definit- the answer to, you, when you don't know the winner going in, that's when it's at its best. And with how well WWE has been doing lately in terms of its on-screen product, this one should be awesome. Unfortunately, all right, guys, here it is for the comments. The people in the comments were asking, Are you really not going to say anything about no, this? No, no, well, Connor's gonna wait. Let's set you up. Connor's about to yeah. cook about this, but we got to let him steam up like Godzilla. He's got to get every spine lit up with atomic energy, and he has something serious to say. Yeah, so we're gonna get so into serious nation now. So. We, we, we got to talk about this. So, yesterday, the Wall Street Journal released a report on a new lawsuit directed against Vince McMahon. Um, at least one other WWE former executive. And it mentions a uh, former WWE champion, a former UFC champion. Uh, the report may, uh, was able to connect the dots on that pretty quickly as to that being Brock Lesnar. And uh, it has to do uh, with a former WWE employee accusing Vince McMahon of absolutely heinous things. And the charges range from sexual assault to sex trafficking. Um, this is the woman who had been previously named in reports regard of the woman who basically started the domino effect that caused Vince to initially retire back in 2022. Um, now, because allegedly he had not paid his ha- his portion of the agreed non-disclosure agreement, she was then able to come forward not only with a lawsuit, but with the details um, I would recommend if you're going to read through her lawsuit or just read through the report, don't do it on a full stomach because it is not pleasant. Um, I'm obviously not going to dive into uh, all of the things that were mentioned, but heinous, vile, atrocious, all words that immediately came to mind. And now it's a question of where do we go from here? Because this isn't and I, I saw people yesterday try to propose we need to do the Crispin Wah thing where we just. We erase Vince, any sign or sound of him, and move forward. It's not that simple. This isn't a wrestler. This is the guy who made all of this. And if you read the reports... It's a culture. It it is culture-wide. And the, the investigation internally that went on did not interview this woman. Did not talk to her, even though she fully agreed, hey, I, I am willing to come forward. I am willing to give my statements. They didn't talk to her. Never called her. And TKO, the new parent company of the WWE and the UFC, they immediately came out with a statement saying, hey, all of this uh, that was happening, th- this we, we weren't involved. Th- this all happened before TKO was formed. And Vince McMahon isn't in charge in the way he used to be. And at least that is somewhat true. So it is, it, it is a cultural thing. And if you're looking for justice, unfortunately, this is not, that's not the world we live in. And I have seen speculation of what do we do with Vince McMahon? Now, it's not like what it used to be 
which is he had so much voting power from the stock ownership he had that he could overrule anything. He forced his way back to an executive chairman position because of the shares that he had. He basically threatened to financially cripple the WWE if they didn't give in to his demands. Now, the situation is a little bit different. He only has maybe, I think it's 11% of stock ownership. He does not have the controlling shares. He's just a member of the board. He he His position obviously gives him domain over WWE, but it's not like he's the end-all be-all. He has a boss. He has people he has to answer to. And if you've talked to people within the company, you know that he's not there day-to-day like he used to be, and he doesn't have the influence over the on-screen product in the same way that he used to. In a perfect world, he'd be gone. He'd be long gone by this point, and they would have announced last night that he would no longer be with the company. But people have looked into it. The way his contract is set up through when TKO was formed makes that sound impossible. And the only way that you could get him removed is for him to do it willingly. And for him to come out, for his representation to then come out with a statement and say, this is all lies, we're going to fight this. Well, that tells me that this this ain't going to be pretty. So if you're struggling with trying to enjoy the WWE right now because of this, I don't blame you. If if you don't want to watch the Royal Rumble this weekend because of this, I don't blame you for a second. If you want to step away from wrestling as a whole because of something like this, I won't blame you for a second. It's a dark day. It's a dark week. In a week where a $5 decade-long deal with Netflix is announced, where Dwayne The Rock Johnson officially comes back to the WWE in a corporate role, for this to also come out is is pretty damning. Um, I, I will not speculate as to what happens next. I wish with everything that Vince would be, this would be the thing that finally gets Vince McMahon out of pro wrestling for good. Yeah. We need to close the air. This oldest generation. But I don't know. Close the door, man. I don't know. And yeah. I, I, I don't have an answer. I, I will say this. Matt is down. Matt is in. Is that will be at the Royal Rumble. He will be, I assume, he will be at the press conference after the fact. To the journalists who will be there this weekend, I know you're probably sick of the discourse surrounding what should or shouldn't be asked at pro wrestling press conferences. And a lot of people who don't have journalism degrees have been giving their two cents. Well, I have one of those. I went to the University of Missouri J School. So I will say this. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your audience. Ask. Even if you know you are going to get hit with a no comment, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your audience. You need to take them to task. Ask Triple H. Ask. The wrestlers have nothing to do with this. But the company officials, they need to be asked, what is your comment? Yep. Don't hold back. Yep. Journalism, baby. Do that journalism. All right. Oh, yeah. But, um, I mean, I think I think this goes into a larger... And we're not going to become societal nation here, but it goes to a larger thing about there is definitely a problem with an older generation that is still we've gotten to a point where people live longer. People can live in better health longer, but also creates a generational problem where things that we want to very much close the door on and advanced past cannot because of people of this older generation kind of standing in the way. 
I hope wrestling is an area where this we have Triple H, we have The Rock, we have Stephanie McMahon. There's a whole new generation of people here. They're working on a new generation of new generation at this point. Yeah. We got a whole new Von, you know, Von Eric generation coming up. We got we are so far down the line. There are people to take the reins of this. Hmm. So I hope we can get this old generation out, close the door, put more kind of care, consideration, compensation into the talent and make wrestling once again, like it used to be come around the bend to being a talent driven business before these weird conglomerate tycoons started showing up grabbing everything and apparently going full buck wild on the world. So, and, and distance nerding, you make a good point. And guys, here's a little bit of a spoiler for you. I am in the pro wrestling business. I am a pro wrestling manager and I know great people in this industry. And like I said, the wrestlers are not at fault here. So if you want to watch the Royal Rumble tomorrow, which I will do by all means, because this, this, there's so many good people in this industry that for the bad actors, no matter how high up the ranking they are, they don't represent everyone. No, a lot of people just want to entertain. So they do. Yep. And a lot of good hearts putting their bodies on the line to just entertain. And that's always been a tradition in wrestling. And uh, hopefully it comes back to the forefront because this is ugly. All right. I think that's the end of our serious portion of a uh, serious societal uh, nation here. Um, shout out to the bot in the comments, bro. Like uh, we're Spider-Man talking will about, return yeah, in Kang Dynasty. We're about Gee, thanks, stuff. pal. You know, sometimes you need the bots because this bot is still cracking off about Justice League, Snyder, Justice League 2. Spider-Man coming in Kang Dynasty. Man, I need to be a mod on the YouTube so I can ban people. We needed this. It's a good bit of levity. (laughs) Here's a palate cleanser. Madam Web still looks terrible. Oh, man, we are so close to Madam Web discussion. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Madam Web time. It's going to be such a good time on this show. We have a lot of crazy movie good times coming up. So (laughs) this is uh, Comic Book Nation. Just to let you guys know, we are, as if uh, in season six, we are an official full fledged nation here so this week alone we had our royal rumble preview bonus episode is out the pull list where matt aguilar takes you through the biggest comic releases of the week is also out this week liam crowley's riptide radio is a bona fide hit with the part with the percy jackson crowd which is now bigger than the mcu baby so we have the the percy jackson after show for you to check out all you percy jackson fans So be sure to check those out. Those are regular every week. We also had our gaming team break down the new Indiana Jones game in a bonus episode, plus the Xbox Direct kind of developer show that went on last week. We have Suicide Squad kill the Justice League, an entire big week of that coming up. And we have Matt out doing Royal Rumble interviews. So we're going to have some wrestler content on the comic book YouTube page. So... We're going to have some timely conversations with the wrestling community. So check those out. And I think Matt's going to be working on a recap show to talk about when the dust settles after Royal Rumble, plus the Netflix thing, which somehow became a drip in the bucket this week when we were just like, because I texted Matt, I was like, you're going to be busy, boy, because mm-hmm. when they closed that deal and announced it. So, yeah, a lot. We got wrestling, Percy Jackson, comics, and everything else we catch here on the live show. So subscribe on your podcast platform. Subscribe on the comic book and the comic book nation YouTube pages. And uh, keep up with everything. 
We're not even going to get into football and everything we hope there. Nice try, Brian. We're, <laughs> we're getting out of here. We are Comic Book Nation. If you want to contact me, you can always find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me on YouTube at Connor J. Casey. Rooting for them Chiefs. Hey. <laughs> no, please. No. Uh, you can find me at Janelle um, on Twitch and at Janelle Wheeler on all socials. And I will not be cheering for anything affiliated with Taylor Swift. Woo! Shout out to the city of Baltimore. Let's go, Ravens. All right. This we are coming for the fan. He is a traitor. Yo, no, I'm I mean, if we're doing that, go Bucks. Like, <laughs> we are Comic Book Nation turning into a sports show here at the end. We will see you all out there in geek land. Peace. Later. <laughs>